Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Buddy Podcast. Uh, you're going to really want to tune into this, especially if you're in the military and you're looking to transition anytime, you know, maybe in the next six months, a uh, year at least, uh, preferably probably a couple years out, uh, you might want to pay attention to some of these things because the conversation today is all about transition and some of the problems and issues that can come up with transition. So my guest today has been through quite a few of them. Uh, he's going to share a lot about the things that he went through, hopefully save you a lot of headaches, uh, and whatnot. So we'll just dive right into it. Welcome to the Battle Buddy Podcast with Keith McKeever. Welcome, Jeffrey. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. So, no. no problem. I'm excited to talk about this because this is something that every veteran goes through. And I guess I should probably preface this just because I know some of the topics might be a little stressful for some people to hear. So I'll, I'll give that, that trigger warning. If for, for anybody, if you're struggling out there, you know, if you if you hear something and it, it kind of hits you in the uh, hits you in the feels in one way, shape or form. Right. You know, and you need a little extra help or you're feeling down. Remember, the, the suicide prevention uh, lifeline number is 988 press one. Um, so I'll keep that scrolling here for a minute. But uh, Jeffrey, tell us a little bit about about yourself. You know, who, who were you growing up? What did you do in the military? Those kind of things. Yeah, happy to do so. So um, I grew up in Chicago. And like many of my fellow veterans, brothers and sisters, by say probably mostly on the enlisted side, we come from, you know, naturally, of course, of a diverse uh, group of backgrounds. But, you know, all of us come from troubled backgrounds, broken families, you know, uh, poverty, things like that. So I, you know, my story wasn't unique in that by that right. Grew up in a project in Chicago at a very early age, had to really, you know, find creative ways to, you know, put bread on the table, uh, kind of raised my sister from age not since I was age nine, my baby sister, and kind of took care of home, you know, um, so there was that kind of upbringing, and then, you know, as soon as I turned 18, got out of my own, uh, soon after that, got a, had a family of my own, and, you know, with the GED, you know, such opportunities were few. And wanted to provide a future for my daughter, my family. I joined the Navy at 20. Uh, I, I started doing telemarketing first. Before that, I was doing telemarketing from age 17. Um, that just wasn't sustainable, especially for you know the goals that I had. So I joined the Navy at 20, and I knew that day that I signed up, I was staying for at least 20. That was my plan. I figured I'm going to have to work for somebody for 20 years. Who else is going to give my butt a paycheck for the rest of my life just for waking up? You know, after just 20 years of work, I mean, I, I can take the butt whoopings. I can, you know, I can take adversity. I grew up taking those. Um, so I'm like, bring it because I'm, I need this. I need a career and I need a pension and I need something long term. You know, it's, it's going to be like I said, you know, sustainable. So um, with my ASVAB score, again, I had a GED. I scored a 50, which is uh, the recruiter told me I, I had two possibilities: I could be a corpsman or a cook. I chose corpsman. And uh, that really shaped everything that I've done since then and everything that I'm doing now. And uh, I wouldn't trade an ounce of that. So you see the 8404 behind me, that's uh, Fleet Marine Force, FMF Corpsman. And, you know, so that was, uh, <laughs> that's what uh, probably one of the things I'm, I'm more, most proud of. Being a corpsman, the duty, duties that I, you know, that I had serving with the Marines most of that time. And then ultimately making chief as a corpsman, not an easy feat. But I was determined to do so, and um, 
made a lot of sacrifices personal and otherwise, you know, to, to, you know, to finally reach that. Um, a lot of deployments, you know, a lot of time overseas, uh, you know, friends come and gone, you know, some lost. Yeah. Um, that's what, but I, I, I tell you what, being a corpsman took me all around healthcare. Uh, those 22 years, and it just took me on from patient care to war care, clinical care, medical regulating, uh, you know, logistics, career counseling, uh, even recruiting. In my last three years, I, I did uh, health profession recruiting. I learned so much as, you know, as a corpsman. And that's where my, you know, once I retired, I, you know, I finished up my bachelor's degree in healthcare management and then went on to get a master's in health informatics. And, you know, so pretty much my entire, entire adult life has been healthcare. Awesome. I, I would think that you probably made a pretty good choice there on the, uh, going the Corman route versus the cook route, you know, <laughs> I would like to say, I think. My personal opinion, you either liked the cooks or you hated the cooks. You know, it's like, man, all right, the food they got today is great, man. They got the good food, or you walk in and you're like, what is this? Either way, you, <laughs> you know? either way you want to be on the good side. Exactly. Like, you know, you want that hookup? You know, it's, you, yeah, you don't want to get on their bad side, right? You know, they're cooking your food. They, they might undercook it or overcook it. You know, the corpsman's there for you, you know. You know, always there for you when you need them. You know, the cooks, I don't know, you know. <laughs> don't hate me, cooks out there. Don't send me no hate mail. <laughs> we do love you when you cook the good food. But when you right. cook the crappy stuff, you know, it's, you know, we like you on uh, surf and turf night. Oh, we love We don't it. like you on whatever that sloppy, soupy mystery food night is, you know. I'll never forget green eggs and spam and boot camp. <laughs> oh, that'd be terrible. Yeah. Just, just like the the, the the omelet MREs. I, oh. It always blew my mind. I love eggs. I love breakfast food. It's my favorite meal. I have no idea how some people ate that. I oh, still no. could not bring myself to eat that. There was no way. I would I, take them. Oh, we had some MRE gourmets in the field. Yeah. It tastes good. I would take them only because I had the good stuff with it. You know, I had the, I remember I, did they have the Pop-Tarts and the Skittles and, I don't know. <laughs> like, it had all the extra goodies, like the really good stuff in it, but the meal sucked, you know. Then I'll again, what, nothing's better than the spaghetti, the spaghetti with the blackberry cobbler. That's, that's the best, personal preference. Nice. But, <laughs> How about the Five Fingers of Death? Five Fingers of Death? <laughs> yeah, the, the weenies. The oh, gosh, yes. no. no. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know how they classify some of those MREs as food. I really don't. But, you know, it, <laughs> I guess it's kept us alive, right? <laughs> hey, it was chock full of calories. We needed to yeah. get through the day and do what we had to do. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. So, oh, man. So, like I said in, in my intro, you know, we all, regardless of how long you serve, we all go through the transition, you know, and it's, I've talked to so many people about transition. Some people, some people get out and it, it just everything clicks and works perfect for them. Other people struggle. Yeah. So, what was what was some of your struggles, you know, through transition? Yeah. So, first of all, my plan was to stay for thirty years. I did twenty two. My plan was to stay for twenty for thirty. Um, I ended up, you know, I ended up having to get out at twenty two, retire at twenty two. Uh, thankfully, you know, I did have some education under my belt. I didn't have my bachelor's yet. 
but I like so unlike so many others who transitioned out, I had a pretty good grasp of being able to, you know, uh, put together everything in my service record, my education, uh, my training, my certificates, uh, you know, my my evals, fit reps, and being able to translate that into a resume that would make sense to a potential employer on the outside. Um, there's so much to tackle just with that piece of it alone. Um, and to, to, uh, the TAP class, the transition assistance class, and, you know, I get that they do what they can, you know, what, what they got, but I think they can put a, you know, the military can put a whole lot more thought and planning into that. Because you consider, you know, people like myself who come from, you know, well, many people who join when they're young, right out of high school, or, you know, and, and very, you know, or very soon after that. And, you know, they don't have a whole lot of experience under their belts, you know, so they haven't, you know, probably written resumes and cover letters and things like that. Um, and they probably haven't thought about that, that next step after the military, what am I going to do and plan for? Um, you know, so if with, like I said, so the transition class, you know, they did cover resume, you know, writing things like that and interviewing and they had people come and talk to us and some people, you know, from clothing stores that were offered discounts on suits and things like that. They offered a workshop, you know, during the week. Um, and on, I think some weekends, you know, to help with, with those services. But, you, you know, you kind of really prepare it after the fact when you have a short trigger to pull when you got to, you know, find a way to put bread on the table. Um, you know, and quickly, especially if you're not, you know, first, if you're not retiring with a pension, you need to, you know, find a job in short order. You know, you're kind of under the gun and you're not really focused that much on, you know, trying to learn how to write a resume at that point. Right. There's a lot of people that get out that, that have no plan or, yeah, they've got yeah. no medical retirement, no time-based retirement nothing exactly get out, that, that, there's no paycheck in two weeks and many with with, uh, with families too and oh, so yeah. as a chief you know uh, with you know many young sailors you know under my charge you know and i would never try to talk anybody out of leaving the military but i would sit down with them and, you know, and really have a, a very uh you know intentional conversation with them and i you know and uh ask them to consider you know what they're making both tangible and intangible and what they're earning uh, on active duty. And that includes their, their health care. That includes, you know, um, the, the BAH, you know, and, and all these things. These things that, you know, they're, they're what they're actually earning and what they're being covered for and what they would need to earn on the outside, you know, to, to match that, to at least, at the very least match that, to maintain the standard of living. And that's it, you know, break out a calculator, get some paper out, you know, we sit and we do the math on it. And, you know, we kind of, you know, map the, their current skills and what that, you know, and, and uh, compare it to what they would be qualified for on the outside. And that, you know, again, I wasn't trying to, you know, talk anybody into or out of, but it, it kind of, it, it left them with an informed decision to make. If that makes sense. That's that. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but everybody doesn't get that, you know. And I would, you know, and I had the luxury, you know, the blessing of being able to catch them when they were thinking maybe six months to a year out, you know, from from transition. And then if they still, if they really were had their heart set on, you know, on separating, fine. God bless you, and, and I'm wishing you all the best. And, but they had at least they could start planning for it, and you know, with that new information that they had. Absolutely. I've heard a lot of people say that you really should start planning at least two years out. 
Absolutely. I've said, I've said a few times, you should start planning for your exit from the military from the time you join. Yeah. You should be taking advantage of the education benefits, learn everything there is in your job, build all these skills, track all these, you know, go to every course that you could possibly take, all this stuff, right? You should be planning that with the end goal of knowing that eventually your time is up. I'm so glad. Years could be 20, that. you know, but with purpose, you know, do, do your career with purpose. I'm so Yes. I'm so glad you said that. And here's why. You know, because you know, get you on know, those long deployments, especially the ones, you know, we're out at sea, we got time to kill, but we also have access to resources, internet and things like that. You know, I catch a man, you know, in the various rooms, you know, playing video games and whatnot. I'm like, okay, well, you know, what have you done, you know, to prepare for your life out after the Navy? What happens if you if you get, you know, medically retired or what happens if you get injured and you can't do it anymore? Uh, you know, how about what are you doing with off-duty education? What are you doing for your quals? You know, warfare designators, designations, um, and you know, and all the um, you know online courses they offer. Well, they gave us access to courses from Harvard Business School. I took every one that I could. Seriously, I, I, I took a number of courses. My my service record is, is stacked, chock full of you know those kinds of courses. You know, that's how you do it, though. You you think forward of like, oh. Yeah. I, um, you know Harvard? Why? Why would you not take something from Harvard? And it's free? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and then I used the, the um, what's that? The TA, um, the um, transition assistance? No, no, no. Um, for the education, why you go uh, to school and active duty? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I was thinking tuition, tuition assistance. Tuition assistance. That's it. Yes, I used that every bit of that that I could because I was always thinking. You know, I was. I, I took classes with the University of Phoenix and some other, you know, other universities, you know, all while deployed. Of course, I worked on, you know, I got um, FMF, uh, surface warfare and air, air, air warfare. I didn't waste any time. I guess I didn't know how much time I had. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people might have enough time to crank out two or three courses in a semester. Maybe it's just one. Maybe it's just one or two courses for the whole year. Who knows? You do yeah, what you take, can, though. Take, exactly. I, I think, I mean, an associate's degree should take you about two years. Mm-hmm. So if you do a four-year enlistment, you should be able to at least knock out your general education. At the very that. least. At or, the at least, least. The, or at least all the core, you know, uh, for uh, a bachelor's. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's enough time if you really buckle down and do it, you could do it. You know? I mean, I, I finished my bachelor's degree off. Uh, last year, it took me three years, you know, as a full-time student. You know, I already had an associate's before that. I had to yeah. go take some extra courses and stuff like that. But, you know, it still took three years full-time while running a business and this podcast and stuff like that. You know, it's like, so you can do it. You can do it when you're in uniform. Yeah, there's no you reason. Definitely have time. Absolutely no reason not to. Yep. So... But there are, you know, there are a number of things to get in our way. Again, you know, we come from varying backgrounds, and you know, and a lot of them come from unstable, you know, house, households and everything. And, you know, it wasn't instilled in a lot of us. You know, so that wasn't like, you know, that's not really muscle memory for many of us that are transitioning. That so, you know, many won't think, you know, that far ahead. Um, they, you know, some people just plan for, you know, the day or the next day. Uh, and that's one thing I like to impart upon our brothers and sisters, you know, just, you know, plan, plan, plan. If you don't you know, plan to uh, fail to plan, plan to fail, that kind of thing. And it just gives you, it, one, it gives you more confidence. 
It does, you know, as you're not, you know, and what the hell mode, you know, when that date does come for you to, you know, get out and you have a reasonable amount of hope and, you know, and confidence towards that next, that next part of your life, the next chapter. Um, but again, yeah, none of us are, are, are geared for it. So how do we, you know, really, you know, get that message across? You know, how, how do we reach, you know, our, our brethren? You know, at an early enough stage where there is not going to be as stressful as much of a stressful situation when it's time, to, you know, to, to uh, you know, uh, retire the uniform. Well, I think some of it goes on, you know, it goes back to the leadership of our, you know, current military. You have to develop systems and stuff like that. But I will say, I think it complicates things when you talk about the fact that most people enlist between God, eighteen and twenty-four. Yeah. And when you're, you know, when you're that old, you're an adult, you think you know everything about life. <laughs> I think we're all there. You know, in hindsight, I, I can sit here in my late 30s and tell you, I don't think I really kind of figured, you know, things really didn't click to me until I was about 30. A couple of years after I got out, you know, that I kind of figured out who I was as a person, what my mission and my passion was in life. Right. That was a couple of years after I got out. Mm-hmm. I definitely didn't know at 22 or 23. But the mindset of somebody at that age typically is, oh, it's fine. I got, you know, I got plenty of time. I got my whole life ahead of me. You know, I know what's best for me. <laughs> don't yeah, don't yeah. want to listen to the old guy in the room, right? Like, yeah. you know, don't preach to me about, like, what I need to do. Yeah, you know, Bob's keep that moving. I know. It's like, you know, <laughs> we're only giving us advice because we care. And we don't want you to see you make the same mistakes we made. You know? Yeah. It's, it's coming from a place of love. Not, not to, you know, just trying to chastise somebody, you know, and, and whatnot. But there's, there's challenges there with that age. Conditioning, too, what we condition ourselves for. You know, I, again, I was always a caregiver, you know, so I always had a family. I went from raising my old sister. Uh, so I, I, my first family, it was a ready-made family. I adopted my daughter at age 20. You know, I got with her mom. I married her mom. And then right, they went to another similar scenario right after that. So I was just I was conditioned for that. So I was always working more for someone else and planning more for you know someone else's livelihood than necessarily just my own. I always kind of was you know kind of geared to, to kind of thrive for to make sure I was able to provide for someone else. It worked. It helped. You know, whatever you find to drive you, find something to drive you. Absolutely. And then, so, and come on the conditioning, and then our comfort zone. So, once I, when I reached the point where I was retiring, I was single. So, I had to really find, you know, I had to dig deep and find other reasons to strive, you know, myself, you know, my own livelihood. And I got to be honest, that wasn't as easy to do, you know. Um, and we talk about, you know, mental health too, you know, and our upbringing and things that we experience. You know, and, um, you know, it, 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 some of these things that go unnoticed really can hold us back, and, you know, and cause us to get in our own way. And I, I certainly experienced that. You know, I got in my own way quite a bit. You know, I, it didn't have to be as tough for me. I put, I created my own roadblocks. And, you know, and, and there was a point where I, you know, I spiraled. Uh, you know, I, I had tremendous opportunities that they came and went, you know, and they went largely because of me and choices that I made, you know, but, um, and ultimately it led, it led me to checking myself into the VA. You know, I had, 
you know, un, untreated, non-diagnosed PTSD and, and you know, and, and other things. And it really gave me the chance to hit a reset button and look at some of, you know, the choices I was making and why I was making them. And they give me a, you know, the opportunity to actually just look at it. And like, oh, okay. And then once, because if you're not aware of it, you know, then you're just going to keep doing what, you, you know, what you've been doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I was glad to, you know, and really grateful to have that opportunity. I spent months, several months in the, in the VA, you know, here in well, Massachusetts. And um, it was just, it was eye opening. And I got a chance to see a lot of my brothers and sisters in, in that program and really connect with them. But I also got a chance to see that many of us recycle through that, those same programs. You know, don't, you know, it's kind of like a, it becomes a vicious cycle. We, you know, some of us don't learn how to really move forward. You know, it was my plan going in. I'm doing, I'm going to do this once. I'm going to absorb it. I'm going to com commit and submit to it, more importantly, submit to it. You know, what the hell do I know? Because what I thought I knew got me here. You know, so now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to listen, absorb, and, and submit so that I don't have to do this again and I can move forward. And I set goals while I was in there, goals that I've achieved since then. And this was in 2017. The summer of 2017, that's where I spent my summer. I spent my summer at the VA. But invaluable. And that's something that you no, know, the rest of society may not necessarily have access to without having to pay, you know, an, an ungodly amount of money for. I can't imagine what that would cost on that side. Exactly. And then I had the luxury, you know, again, the added blessing of having a pension, you know, a disability check as well, that I could, you know, coast on. You know, while you know, who could afford to stop working for that long? Because you have to really commit and again submit. You're in that program. And so I that's, can that's probably where you know where you had success though, is you had you had yourself in a position where you knew this is a one time thing. Like I'm going in and I'm ripping this band-aid off and it's gonna hurt. And but I'm gonna reflect yeah. inward and I'm gonna work on myself and I'm gonna be out in one shot. Yeah. Whereas I would I make the argument if people are just, you know, recycling back through there, they're never really fully getting to that point where they're saying, Look, I got a problem. And I'm going to fully deal with these problems. Mm -hmm. And they still know everything. You got to, you know, you got to, at some point, you have to drop all that pride and, and, and whatever it is you carry that, you know, that ego and just, you know, say, either I want to get better or I don't. Either I want to survive and thrive, I want to be here, you know, or, or not. I was 50 when I went through the program and I just knew, had I not, I wouldn't have seen my 51st birthday. Knew it. I just knew it. I felt it. And I like being here. You know, there's a lot that I enjoy about being here. Even on my worst day, I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, you got a long, you know, you got a lot of life left to live and a lot of, a lot of impact that you can make on this world. And, um, you know, it's, it's sad that some people have the blinders on and they never see that, you know, and they get to that point where they, they are gone too soon or, or they see some issues and then they go into the VA and they just go cycle right back to it because they're just not fully committed. Or there's so, only one piece of that program they want. You know, winter time hits and they need some somewhere warm to go. You know, uh, it's just there are a number of reasons. But you know, um, but from what I've seen, more often than not, it's not the reason of them really wanting to just live a, a, a 
great quality of life. That's just, I need to get through this moment. I need to get to the next day. Or I need to get through this season. It's, you know, short-term thinking and short-term planning. Yeah. Definitely a lot of people that go through this world, like, I I can't imagine that. Just like not having some sort of a plan or an idea or or written goals of like where I want to be. Like yeah. even if they're not written, like I have in my mind what I want to do with my life. Yeah. Like what I want my legacy to be when I'm gone, hopefully when I'm really, really old and decrepit. <laughs> when I can no longer move on my own and, you know, living in a, in a facility or something like that, I guess. But like, I don't know. I mean, I just see like, hey, there's still plenty of life left. Like I said, I'm in my late 30s, so. I still have 30-something years till I retire. Yeah. You know, and then I've got the, you know, God willing, 10, 15, 20 more years to go do retired people stuff, whatever that whatever that looks like, you know. And, like, that's, that's a lot of time left on Earth to make an impact and, and meet people and experience things. And, like, I don't know. That's just me in the back of my mind. I, I personally, like, I look that far into the future of, like, what's life going to be like for me? And see, here's the thing. The beauty of that VA program is that it addresses these things and it gives you the opportunity to set goals. You know, they, you know, you have your, you know, your individual counselors and, you know, that will literally sit down with you and, you know, and try to coach you into, you know, coming up with a plan, you know, just something that's going to work for you. and something that you're willing to commit to. And, you know, and. I, am, I I was fully committed. Like this, I want to do X, Y, and Z. You know, this is what I, the things I want to fix. These are the things I want to improve. These are goals I want to set and achieve. You know, and you know, so I, I was absolutely committed to that. Had them written down, and ticked ticked them off one at a time. And I would just love. You can't force anybody to do anything. Uh, you, you know, the old cliche. You know, leading the horse to water and everything, but. You know, how do you get somebody to embrace it? That's, that's, that's a good question. I was, I was thinking about asking if you had any advice on, you know, for those people who have gone through that cycle. Like, how do, how do they break that cycle and start looking at the future? But I guess it's got to be something, like, really deep inside of you to just be like, all right, enough. Like, t- today's the day. Like, I'm, I'm making changes. I don't know that there really is an answer. It's just got to be deep within. Yeah. I mean, it can't hurt for them, you know, well, for us to have someone to connect with that, you know, gives, uh, that's on a similar path or has similar wants, kind of, a, um, you know, a battle buddy. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, somebody's got your back and it's going to, you know, kind of hold you accountable. You can hold each other accountable. Hey, you know, check in on each other. Hey, you know, so you said you wanted to do X, Y, Z. You had these goals. You know, how are you doing with that? You know, what, what's your plan, you know, for the next thing? I think something like that would be would be helpful. Thing yeah, is, there's probably something that's really missing with a lot of people that are cycling yeah. through there, where they probably don't have that battle buddy, you know, that they served with, or or just you know anybody who did serve, or just maybe close family connections, or they've you know ripped or shredded those family connections apart because of whatever whatever their substance abuse issue is, their mental health issue, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they just don't have that person to lean on to that that can hold them accountable. But we do tend to isolate. Which is dangerous. Yes, you know, we tell ourselves, oh, no, so-and-so doesn't care. has no idea what I'm going through, what I've been through. They don't know what it's like to serve and all these things. Or they haven't walked my walk. 
you know, there are things we can tell ourselves, but if we could, you know, I'm sure if somewhere in our circle, whether close or extended circle, that I would venture to guess would care enough to follow up with us and check in on us if, we, if they were given the opportunity. Yeah, well I, well, I think, you know, when you find that person, you found your battle buddy. Yeah. When you found that person that really cares enough served. about you. It may not be somebody who served. If we can open our minds a little bit and just, you know, embrace another another human soul. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it's there's resources out there. I mean, outside of just, you know, mental health resources with the VA, because it could be your counselor. Yeah. It could be your spouse. It could be your parents. It could be, you know, maybe you have an adult child, you know, but like, you know, I've been going through the VA's whole health program, you know, they're all encompassing. I think I've met with my lady like seven or eight times. We still haven't made it through the initial packet of information. Yeah. But we just talk about so many different things, and it's just a wonderful lady to talk to, you know, and it's just like, that just is, is an example of just, I feel better. And it's not like it's a mental health thing either. Like, we just talk about different things. Just, you know, weight loss and eating healthy and exercise and what's going on in my family and, you know, dealing with different things. Like, it's, you know, the whole health thing. But it's impactful just to have that one person that I could vent to that I don't even know where this lady lives. You know, <laughs> all I know her through is the screen. That's it. Yeah. You know, and we talk every, you know, three, four weeks, whatever. And, if you know, just kind of catch up. And uh, I don't think she served at all. Just just a civilian lady who works for the VA doing that, you know, and it's just it just kind of helps to vent. That's so, you know, you can find that person anywhere. You know, it's just, that to me, that's just one of my people that I talk to that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, I think that is so critical. You know, we're a social species. You know, we're, we're not, you know, we're not isolated, you know, as, uh, creatures who isolate, you know, by nature. We need other people. Yeah, but we do need to get, I, I don't know how you get to the bottom of it, but you, you know, mention self-isolation. That is such a huge one. I mean, I, I, I hear of that, or I hear people talk frequently. Mm-hmm. And I pick up on that. Like, I think this person's isolating a lot. Yeah. Know? And it's like, I. It's safe. It feels safe. You know, you, you know then no one's going to judge you or, or talk about whatever you're doing, how, you know, if you're using or how much you're drinking or, you know, what you could be doing better, you know, for your own for your own improvement, for your own life. You know, you're, you're judgment free if, if, if it's just you. Absolutely. And sometimes it's, it might be hard to, like, tell, like, do you really do it? I need to give another example of myself, but I work a lot in my office. My office is down in the basement. Yeah. So sometimes I'm down here, it may look like self-isolation, but I'm actually working. Other yeah. times, I can flat out tell you, other times, I'm self-isolating in my basement. I'm down here playing video games, or I am get stuck on Facebook, or <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> whatever thing that I got into, but like, this is my safe spot. This is where I'm at, you know, 8, 9, 10, 12 hours a day some days. It's just, it is. Yeah. You know, so sometimes it may be hard for people to see because of their environment. Maybe it's maybe it's work. Maybe it's a hobby that they do that some of it's they do it because they, you know, for a good reason. But let me spend a little extra time at something that, you know, that's really self-isolation. Yeah. You know, even today, you know, uh, with all the improvements I like to, you know, say that I have made. I, I still have to be mindful of when I'm isolated. It's, you know, it's, it's an easy thing to fall back into. Absolutely. 
And I, I, I've, I've heard some places, too, where people are like, well, I'm just an introvert. Are you, though? You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. guessing people is like, I know this person is not an introvert, right? <laughs> They've just got that personality. They're, you know, they're always happy-go-lucky and social when they're around people. But they're like, I'm an introvert. It's like, hmm, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, I don't know about that, but whatever. So, uh, yeah, that's um, definitely some big issues in our community, for sure. Yeah, but I tell you what, man, I haven't met a single veteran that's, that's not worth saving and not worth keeping on this planet and not worth embracing and loving and being grateful to and for. Absolutely. You know, I think sometimes people just, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say, you know, what people actually think about when they unfortunately unalive themselves, but I think if you get that desperate, you know, you might think that people don't care about you and you don't have anybody. If you, if you really stop and think about it, you probably do. You got yeah. some people right here that care. We may not know you at all, but yeah. we don't want you to be gone. Yeah. You know, we want you to, to, to get better, go get the help and improve your life and Sometimes there's outside factors that can influence what happens to in a person's life, for sure. Absolutely. But there's also an element of you taking accountability for it and pushing through. And some things can be temporary. Yeah. And you I know? think another thing that's kind of important, you know, because, you know, the military life is obviously very rigid in, in a number of ways. You know, we, call, we will we'll, we'll judge ourselves harshly. And if we can learn to show ourselves a little compassion and try not to judge ourselves and just, you know, get, give ourselves a hug, you know, give ourselves that mental hug, say, hey, you know, and remind ourselves our, ourselves of the positive things we have done, our achievements, no, no matter how small it may appear or feel. You know, I got my ass up this morning. I put my feet on the deck. Good on you, Mike. That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> be grateful every day you get to get up, right? Yeah. And how about this one? You're you're one of less than one percent of the population who serve. That's an achievement. How many sperm did you get out to be here? Did you beat out to get here? You're a winner. You know, keep it simple, keep it small. But be, you know, be proud and be of, of your achievements. Be proud of the fact that you're here, that you're still here, that you're served, that you, you know, and there's somebody out there that will find you worth loving and embracing and be, and showing compassion to. I think it's funny that you mentioned the sperm because I've heard uh, Gary Vaynerchuk mention that. I can't remember the numbers, but yeah. you know, it's like it's astronomical odds that you even get born. Exactly. You know, for any person to get born. Higher than one in the lottery. Yeah, I know, right? It's like it's crazy. You already won the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know seriously like then you're born and then uh, in in some ways in this world that we've lived in the last at least you know almost 40 years that i've been alive like the fact that you even make it to be an adult is one thing and then oh. if you're a veteran you make it to you know you make it to boot camp and your tech school your ait whatever you know c school whatever whatever it's called and then you make it to the operational military and then mm. you do your four six twenty years yeah. You know, especially for, you know, anybody who's deployed or, you know, done a, a fairly dangerous job, stop and think about how many times you've almost died. Right? That'll give you some gratitude real quick. Be like, yeah. I've probably died, you know, I've come pretty darn close to dying, you know, an exponentially larger amount than my civilian counterparts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hear, hear. Hear, hear. And amen to that. 
Yep. So have a yeah. little gratitude. <laughs> Start your day with some gratitude, right? Yeah. yeah. That's, and a we're That's a good way to start. So, you know, I know there were some other things when we talked a few weeks ago, you know, kind of little, little things that you mentioned. I kind of want to get your take on, you know, one of the things that you kind of mentioned is, you know, we go in the military, our operations tempo, you know, it's going a thousand miles an hour. Oh. When you get out, you, you're you're basically you're basically stopping. We're going from a thousand to zero. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. what, what are your thoughts thoughts on that? Because I think that's a huge thing that we need to keep in, in mind. Thank you for mentioning that again. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for reminding me of that. Yes. So you know, this high operational tempo and everything we do is planning for the inevitability of war. You know, and so the the, the adrenaline is pretty much always pumping. You know, sleep deprivation going days upon days without sleep. And uh, it's like, yeah, you're pumped. You're ready to go. What's going on? What's going on? And then, you know, it's always go, go, go. And keeping your sea bag packed and all that. And then next thing, okay, you're a civilian. Nobody around you is doing that. Nothing that you're going to do on the outside short of, you know, fighting forest fires or something like that or something. It's gonna, you know, have you at that kind of high, you know, sustained adrenaline rate. Yeah, even your high, high, highly functioning, highly successful civilians might only be operating at, I'll just pick an arbitrary number, but they might be operating at 150 miles an hour versus the thousand that you were operating at. Exactly, and then so now all of a sudden you slam on the brakes, and and so you're conditioned, and now how do I? keep that same excitement going and that you know so that's why so many of my our, my brothers and sisters turn to you know alcohol and substances and other risk-taking behavior and other things to just kind of you know what you know to replace that without really taking a look at it and finding you know maybe some healthy alternatives you know to get that you know that that rush there are a number of other ways to do it that won't put your you know yourself and others in danger uh, so, so yeah, uh, and I, cause I faced that too, you know, that, that was, that was part of my world until I was able to take a look at it and say, Hey, you know, off the brakes, Jeff, let's find another way. But, um, not everybody, you know, pumps the brakes in time. So we lose a lot of our brothers and sisters, you know, even to, you know, uh, suicide, or, you know, very sadly or some kind of predicament or situation they've gotten themselves into that ends their lives. um, This is something that definitely should be addressed in the whole transition process, and and it is not. But I I think it's critical to to introduce that and at least have it, you know, as a consideration, as a thought, you know, as people plan to transition out. You know, those landmines, you know, beware of these landmines. Here's some of the landmines. Here's where they're at. You know, this is kind of a way, you know, here's some ways you can sidestep them. Well, that is definitely one of those things that can happen. And uh, I, I agree with you that they need to re, redesign somehow. I don't know that I've got the answers on how, but I think when it comes to that, the, the easiest answer that I've got is yeah. develop a system to really lengthen the transition process somehow. Which I know is complicated because, you know, when you're getting somebody out of the military or they're retiring, there's a, a finite end date to that. But maybe pull somebody out of those roles, especially the really high-tempo jobs, and ease them into more of a 
nine to five job. Maybe easing into, you know, well, I was Air Force, so, you know, some of the services and stuff, sometimes instead of wearing fatigues or dress uniforms, they'd be wearing like polo shirts that would say, you know, mm. you know, the gym name or something. They would wear khaki pants. It was a uniform of sorts, but it was more like a business casual kind of thing. You know, I thought about that in transition as well. If you get people out of uniform in the tax program, you know, yeah, a different environment, a different tempo. Yeah. It would take a while, I would argue, that to for some longer for some than others to even out that tempo and not require all that adrenaline and excitement and all that stuff. It's it's not a perfect fix, but something that was a few weeks, a few months. I mean, look, you you, you join the military today, and I think the shortest is eight and a half, what, eight and a half, and I think the Marines are thirteen weeks. Yeah. Right? So you're spending more than two months completely relearning who you are and being broken down and built up. But we Excellent. don't have a process for that on the way out. You got three days. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and a handful of TAPS classes to learn how to write a resume and put on a suit. That's what I was saying, those three days of TAP class. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, those three short days of, of TAP class. Yeah. But no, that's an excellent point. Excellent point. You know, I don't know if it needs to be an eight-week thing or a 12-week thing, 16-week. I don't know. You know, but if you had people start, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying, you know, I mean, if you just had a long period like that where it was like a a civilian boot camp, right, where I guess I've, I've thought about it a little bit over over the years, but like maybe the first few weeks you come in, in in your uniform, you know, then you start coming in in your dress uniform, and then you transition to something like, or maybe you just start off with just like khakis and a polo shirt. Everybody's yeah. wearing the same thing. And then, like, halfway through the program, you get to start wearing whatever civilian clothes you want as you get closer to that retirement date or separation date. But then, you, you know, those night shift guys automatically switch to a day shift. Everybody's there, 9 to 5. You know, treat it more like a civilian job versus military. You know, none of your leadership is wearing a uniform. Yeah. It may still be in uniform. It may be a position for them. I don't know. But Or you get civilian volunteers or something like that where, you know, your day is – semi-scripted and you can just kind of step it down i think that's awesome that's an awesome idea you know because like i said you know when when you come off the street and to join the military it's a two two to three months transition you know starting within with the uniform change yeah you know haircuts well if you want to call it that (laughs) (laughs) maybe for the ladies for the guys it's just straight off yeah i don't know if you call it a haircut but I mean, there should be something, and I would think you know, basic you know, economics or money, the money side of it, would save the, the VA and a country a lot of money combating veteran suicide and substance abuse and homelessness if you gave more resources to try and curb that. If you did it right during that transition process, it's, I mean, it, unfortunately, there'd be nothing for those people that are already out, but you could do it for the future generations at least. Yeah, absolutely. And give them a, a, a better fighting chance of transition. You know, because our, our service members are, are such a huge financial investment and resource. You know, we, you you think they work hard to find a way to take better care of these their resources. So I think that would be an excellent plan to present. Well, hopefully we'll get some politicians that will listen to this and they can, they can make the changes in, in their own way. I think it's doable. 
I think do and I think now was a good time for it. I mean, you know, even if you kept somebody in service or, or you know, you take somebody off of the books, you know, the manpower books, you know, two months or three months earlier than what you expect, you know, let them take their terminal leave afterwards, whatever. I don't know, but mm. you know, you're already paying them. So maybe they could be part of their terminal leave. Maybe they, they could be incentivized to go through this program. Could be, yeah. I'm sure they could come up with a way. Absolutely. That's smart. We've got some smart people in, in Washington yeah. and other places, you know, in the military. Something like that's not going to affect everybody, right? You'll still have people that will fall through the cracks and have those problems. It, Absolutely. It's not, not going to fix your mental health issues. It's not going to fix your physical health issues. But it could give you the right mindset, potentially, for transition. It could slow that tempo down. It can, you know, ease you into that that role. I mean, I know you, if you take that uniform off and you've been wearing it for 22 years, and yeah. you got to go into, into work wearing khakis and a, and a polo shirt, mm-hmm. it's just going to feel different. Yeah, tremendously different. But I'll tell you what, giving, building someone's confidence and giving them hope, I mean, that's a health care and mental health plan, you know, all to itself. That it is. That would have a, a tremendous impact. So, you know, it's yeah, maybe somebody with power will listen to this some, sometime and and make those changes and implement something. We'll just cross our fingers and hope. You know, unfortunately, most of the tap stuff right now, you know, it's, it's all ran by the Department of Labor, actually, which is why it's all focused on just employment. And create your LinkedIn profile, get a suit, and learn yeah. how to do a job interview and write a resume. Good luck. We're all cutting on you. Yeah, I know, right? Go, go, go do big things. So. Yeah, yes. But just one of the issues that we face, you know, another one I wanted to talk about, you know, you, you brought up when we talked before was relationships. Mm. They've been married a couple of times, some toxic relationships. I know that's not an uncommon thing for some people. You know, what what can you share about what you what you went through there and what people might be able to do to Yeah, so I can speak for myself and just speaking from my own personal experience and just knowing that they're you know Understanding there are a number out there who've been, you know, who've had similar experiences, you know, not really knowing what a healthy relationship looks like. But even from growing up, you know, and you know, and carrying that into your own, you know, personal or romantic intimate relationships, you know, just not really knowing what that looks like or, you know, how to develop and cultivate one. You know, it's there there's a lot of barbed wire in there, you know, and and, and, it, and it leaves scars and that has that can, you know, leaves its own degree of PTSD you know we're we're looking at that from you know we're, from a number of different angles as, as far as the whole PTSD thing it doesn't mean it doesn't come just from our military experience you know combat or you know uh, all the traumas that you know uh, many may experience while on active duty or reserves or whatever the case may be um, it comes you know a lot of it comes from within our own interpersonal circle like, you know, I've been married a number of times. I've had a few T-shirts on that one. And these are things that I, you know, just hadn't hadn't seen. You know, there are patterns that if we're not made aware of or become aware of, we just keep repeating the same things. And, you know, and with everything else, like say, you know, we stack that on top of whatever we experience while, you know, while serving, and it, it compounds. And it can leave us feeling bewildered, lost, alone isolated you know and 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 at times hopeless 
And so finding, you know, so yeah, relationships are, are critical. I mean, a lot of us judge ourselves and our ability to maintain a relationship or even be in a relationship. Yeah. And, you know, I had to consider whether I even needed to or wanted to be in a relationship at some point because of what the, you know, the types of relationships I was choosing and, and some of the dynamics of that and, you know, and the impact on, you know, our choices I was making as a result, you know, people can bring their own brand of toxicity to you know to you and your world. And then all of a sudden it becomes, you know, you come become part owner. And so that's something to be mindful of too, you know, who we're spending time with, who we're engaging with, you know, and who we let into our world because not everybody, you know, is meant to be in our circle. Not everybody's meant to be, you know, under our roof or, you know, we don't need to spend time with every, you know, certain, certain people because, you know, certain people can bring out the best in us and there are others who can bring out the absolute worst in us. Absolutely. You got to think about that too when you're transitioning. You're probably, unless you're guard reserve and you're back, you know, by your home of record, you're probably PCSing or moving back to your hometown where you haven't been for four years or 20 years, you know. Are those friends, those family members, those connections you have back home? Are they are they the same person? Are you the same person? Mm-hmm. Is, is it is it was it a toxic relationship before that you just need to just not entertain a relationship yeah. with now? Yeah, you know because you haven't been around them for so many years. You know, just yeah. be careful, tread lightly there. Absolutely, or go somewhere else. I. There's that. <laughs> That's not. Going- Going back to my home, record was not really a consideration for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm from from Chicago, born and raised, um, and um, that, New England just became my home. I spent, you know, my last three years in the in, the, in the, uh, the Navy here. I came here from Okinawa after being in Okinawa for five and a half years. But I just I fell in love with the area for a number of reasons. There's a ton of opportunity here, especially if you're in healthcare. I mean, goodness gracious, it's the healthcare mecca. Um, and just, I love a change of seasons. New England de- definitely offers that. Um, but it also got me, it gave me a fresh start. It, you know, um, I don't think that going back home uh, would have been the best thing for me. Yeah, definitely not probably not a good thing for a lot of people. Yeah. So I, you know, I mean, I came back home, but now I'm 45 minutes away from where I, well, you know, the town that I went to high school in, but 25, about 25 minutes away from the house I grew up in, 45 minutes away from the school I went to. Okay. I don't go to that town very often. I got nothing in that town for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I, every time I drive through, I'll be like, wow, this town looks different than what it did. I wouldn't want to raise my, you know, I wouldn't want to raise my kids there. I wouldn't want to live there. Yeah. You know, that was another chapter in my life. You know, I'm, I'm in a different place, different different goals, different things now. Yeah. we got to consider family, too. A lot of us will go home just because our family is there. But, you know, when you mention toxic relationships, you know, it doesn't have to be just, out, you know, people you grew up around, you know, I had friends or, or whatever. It can, more often than not, it's family. You know, so just to be mindful and just, you know, really, it's hard to, you know, for a lot of us to do, but we really do have to learn how to put ourselves first. And, and our needs first, our mental health. And, you know, oh, and, 
wish there was a good recipe for describing to people how to do that. <laughs> so that's just a path you guys got. You just got to go down, right? Well, there is but, a like, pretty. You need to do that. I or well, I've just created. I just kind of adopted a formula for myself. It's just basically something works or it doesn't work. It you know. It, it, if it makes me feel a certain, you know, if, if it adds to my world, if it, it makes, if it brings something positive to my world, okay, yeah, fine. And if, especially if it's mutually, you know, beneficial. Um, but if it takes from me in some way, if it makes me feel negative, makes me feel bad, makes me hurt or something, it just, that doesn't work. You know, and, and there are people who, you know, who want you to sacrifice, you know, fall on the sword to make them feel better. To stuff your own feelings and what's important to you just so we all we all have had someone like that in our lives and for you know for me that doesn't work that's why I just I, I i never make it personal i really to keep it just that simple either it's, it's works or it doesn't work it's healthy or it's not healthy it's beneficial and and and, and, uh, and uh, promotes growth or it doesn't that's a good point i would add on you have to weigh the stress of it too you know I mean? Like even things that are beneficial may add a lot of stress to your life, yeah. maybe time, maybe effort, whatever. But if if the end result is potentially positive, it may be worth it to go through that stress. But yeah. if it doesn't bring you any joy and just adds stress to your life, yeah, not that like a sack of hot potatoes. Like, you don't not, need it. Be done. Yeah, not putting money in your pocket, bread on your table, or making you feel better in some way. I'd say it's probably not worth it. Yeah, that's a that's a very huge life lesson there to learn. Take it from the old guys. I mean, I just did that a couple of years ago. You know, I was involved in my HOA. You know, I love my community. I, I love my neighbors, but it got to a point where I got burned out on it. Yeah. And you know, I was to me, it was just like, all right, I'm done. Like, I don't really care anymore. You know, yeah. that was time for me to leave. When it added yeah. more stress for me to prepare and go to the meeting. You know, it brought nothing of value to me. I was like, okay. I absolutely get it. to step away and somebody else to step in. Yeah. I tell you what, it took a lot of emotional and mental ass whoopings for me to get here. To be able to make, just make that decision. I'm just. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. Yeah. And, you know, because people will, they will go crane style on you with, you know, mentally and emotionally. You know, just for their own whatever, either amusement, entertainment, to get something out of you, whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter. The reason doesn't matter. Again, it works or it doesn't work. Absolutely. That's, yeah, either it works or it doesn't work. That's that's some good advice. And, um, man, we had a lot of good things. I, I really hope that, uh, that, you know, especially the young troops that are in right now, listen to this. You know, and take take really take a lot of this to heart. You know, there's 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 a lot you can learn about the transition process, and we haven't even beyond, we haven't covered any anywhere near everything you could possibly cover that no. you could run into. But you know, just I guess the the one thing everybody needs to know is that millions of guys have done it before you. A lot of people have done it successfully, but a lot of people have hit those landmines. So you know. Get your battle buddy, learn, be educated, and have the right mindset. Easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, but so worth it. Absolutely worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. Absolutely, because then you get to join the greatest, you know, greatest 
Um, this is an organization or fraternity, whatever you want to say. You know, I don't want to exclude the ladies, but you know, the greatest club. You know, we're veterans. It is. We yeah. have a very small percentage of our population. We all have a lot of uh, tremendous things in common. We all served at different times, different branches, did different jobs, but we all share a lot of very similar things in common. You know, and and um, yeah. And it takes less than thirty seconds for us to realize we're not strangers once we get to talking. I know, right? I was like, yeah, <laughs> we're family. Some, absolutely. Like you know, you just feel comfortable, even if you're just walking around somewhere and somebody's got something on, you know, a t-shirt or hat and something like that. Like, oh, you guys probably vet. Like, there's just an instant, instant like, okay, there's somebody in here who gets me. You know, there's yeah. somebody in here who's who's you know gonna have my back. Somebody in here that there's some. If some shit goes down, <laughs> they're not gonna run. They may not run the other way. You yeah, know what I mean, like, got my back in this room. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's there's a weird comfort to that. There really is. But it's but it's comfort no less. Yeah, I mean, I took my. We were talking before we recorded. Like, I took my kids out to Mission Barbecue for Veterans Day. You know, and uh, I just I don't think I, sh- I didn't share this with you, but I was just sitting there. I was like, do you guys realize how many badasses are in this room right now? Right. I was like, this whole damn restaurant is full of guys who served all the way from, you know, one of my buddies, Gene Neely, he's, you know, 98 years old, World War II veteran, you know, all the way to some, some pretty young guys that probably got out in the last, you know, three or four years, mm-hmm. walked through that door. I'm like, you you know, you're, you're in the presence of, you know, some men and women who have fought in every war, you know, every branch is represented here. And you're probably in the damn near the safest safest restaurant in town. Yeah. <laughs> this is the last place some knucklehead wants to start some crap. You know, this exactly. is the last, exactly. the last place they want to start it. You know, and then everybody's instant friends. You know, the funny thing, like, my kids are like, does everybody know you? everybody here? And I'm like, I don't know half the guys in this room. You know, the guys are coming in. They're, like, waving across the room and other people waving back and forth. You know, I mean, I knew a bunch of people there. You know, it's like, it's a, we're a small community. If you get out and you're in, actually in your community and kind of, just trying to connect with other vets in different ways. Like, you know, it's kind of funny. Just, you know, the guy who sat down at my table, I interviewed him a few weeks ago on this podcast. He's a local guy. We volunteer together. Like, you know, and he walked in and my, my World War II buddy and, you know, a bunch of other people I've met here and there. And then later on that day, I ran into a, a Navy veteran who's a, a, a local singer. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, you know, it's a small world. So it is. But, um, but man, I, I appreciate you coming on here. I'm gonna throw this up here. You got uh, got your website here at the bottom, Safety Net Solutions. Can you tell us a little bit about what Safety Net Solutions is? Yeah, Safety Net Solutions um, started in 1992, incorporated in '96. It's an IT software development and DevOps company. Uh, we're, you know, we created a lot of things. We've done a fair amount of work since now for the past few decades for the for the FAA, both directly and indirectly. We build solutions, and we know we we just kind of pride ourselves on, on solving problems. You know, no matter how big, how small, uh, we have uh, we have a team of you know of, of engineers that are just nothing short of phenomenal, and have solved some really big problems that you know some head scratches for others that others were not able to figure out, and you know somehow you know they came up with a solution, and um and so we've been done mostly uh, government work. Uh, right now, we're uh, all going to ser- serve nonprofits as well to help them with their mission by, you know, eliminating waste and, you know, streamlining because they have small budgets, small staff, and but, but big missions, you know, and 
so how can you make that uh, how can you make that happen you can automate processes uh you can you know build a solution you can build apps and um you know just make the world better because they're making the world better I, i've spent a lot of time around uh nonprofits over the, you know since i've retired from the navy 2009 spent a lot of time on boards volunteering and you, you name it and i just find it deeply risk rewarding i volunteer every saturday at a food pantry spend a fair amount of time there that's work too that's a workout but i love it i enjoy it um my church that i attend uh you know helping them with some things as well yeah. and of course my background in, in healthcare. you know i just bought the company uh, um, in the past year uh, from my friend business partner you know ross miller he he, he founded the company and I can't, you know, his brain is just, it blows. Sometimes I feel like a toddler when I'm, when I'm talking to him. It's like, tell me again, but tell me slower, right? So he's literally the smartest guy in the room every time. Yeah, one of those he really is. He's just like, damn, how, you know, how do they get so much knowledge in their head? He really right? is. And things that excite him are things that, you know, just, you know, make other people want tie their brains in a knot. You know, it's like, though, he finds these things exciting. He's that guy. And, and I like to connect people to him, you know, because, you know, I kind of, you know, my job is to pimp his brain, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's got that much knowledge in the industry. Yeah, you just suck every piece of knowledge you can get out of him, right? Yeah. And he's a tremendous mentor as well, you know. So um, I'm, I'm new to, um, you know, running an organization, owning an organization of this caliber, but I find it very exciting. And um, I just look, for the, look forward to the, you know, other ways we could make an impact make it just you know make a difference we just want to make a difference awesome well making a difference is a good thing it's, it's yeah. never a bad thing so i guess i'll just ask for anybody who happens to be listening or watching of course this could be any time in the future too but um are you looking for any any employees right now i mean especially with tech stuff a lot of that's getting out with some with some technical skills and stuff like that or yeah, uh, we're always looking for software engineers. Now we've uh, we've got some opportunities where you know for mechanical engineers, uh, 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 network engineers. There's always opportunity. I kind of figured so. <laughs> Which, yeah. You know, I was like, oh well, you know, tech stuff. I mean, man, there's uh, there's always a need for tech people, right? Yeah. In, yeah. in this day and age, web developers. You know, yes. Absolutely. So, well, there you have it, folks. Um, you know, if you're, if you're interested in something like that, just check out the website. Um, Jeffrey, I appreciate you coming on here and, um, you know, kind of sharing a little bit of your transition story. And, you know, hopefully we've um, lit up the trail a little bit for some other people. You know, I really appreciate some, some ideas me. to look out for and landmines to avoid. I really appreciate you having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation. It's one that really needs to be had. So thank you for that. Thank you for what you're doing. And I hope every veteran is able to see this and take something from it. Uh, well, there's more than enough nuggets of information there you can take from it. At least uh, one or two. Life. And that's my goal. I mean, that's, that's, that's seriously the goal of this podcast is just, you know, educate or inspire, you know, and, and uh, help our brothers and sisters out there just make that next step to improving their lives, whatever that looks like. So, yeah, whatever it looks like for this topic is transition, you know, so, you know. So I, I appreciate it, and uh, thanks Thanks for being a guest. Thank you. You have a great rest of the day, month, year, holiday season. You too. All right. Take yep. care. All right. There you go, folks. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, there, there's definitely a lot to unpack with transition. We barely uh, touched 
uh, you know, every aspect of it. Um, remember, on my website, got all kinds of resources, BattleBuddyPodcast.net. As I always say, if there's not a resource on there you think should be, reach out, let me know. And if you're struggling, remember the National Suicide Hotline number is 988-PRESS-1. Remember, we want you here tomorrow. So if you're struggling, call that number and get your help.